that, the Romans. So if you think you live in a fascist country, well, you do. Antitrump.com is the antivirus to the Trump virus. It started in 2016 with two sketches and a dream for a better America. No one thought it would be this bad. He was a 70-year-old yammering nimrod. How bad could it possibly be? We are now in a global pandemic without adequate leadership. Individual politics are not important. We need to rally behind curing the Trump virus. Go to antitrump.com. Hey, you, poetry reader. This is Bjork's sister, Mjork. It's okay. We also have a soul and a weekly poetry reading on Mutiny Radio's AltaCast, tuned every Wednesday at high noon from Glasgow, Scotland. One of our co-hosts from Choose Poetry, Choose Life, Andy Talbot, has a new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, which is available at analogsubmission.com now. Go buy it. And don't let the poets lie to you. Once again, that's Andy Talbot's new poetry chapbook, Old Wounds, New Skin, available at analogsubmission.com. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for Let's Watch a Full-Length Movie on YouTube. We watch the best movies that, uh, aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by uh, Here's you. his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch
Ministry of Lava manages our national lava resources to ensure that we will always have a steady supply of lava to operate the nation's active volcanoes, which in turn power our cities and methamphetamine labs. As a matter of national security, we need to reduce our dependence on foreign lava, which means an expansion of domestic lava drilling. As your chancellor, I will build lava wells all over the country, as well as secure access to more lava fields by invading Hawaii. Imagine orange gold spurting out from school playgrounds on the Great Plains and illuminating the Nebraska sky like fireworks on the 4th of July. Magma oozing over the rolling hills of Kentucky. Volcanic ash settling gently over homes in New England like fresh gray snow. If you want global lava markets to continue to be dominated by terriblest regimes like Iceland, Chile, and the Philippines, vote for my opponent, who sits in their back pocket as comfortably as Pahoehoe on the slopes of Kilauea. If you want the United States to stay competitive in the era of peak lava and beyond, then take a chance on the Chancellor. Um, <clears throat> let me tell you what it is. It's Bug House Square. It's Tuesday at six o'clock. Um, you know, in our in our fantasy world, uh, I hope your fantasy world is as uh, nice as mine. That vigilante man. Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've been hearing his name all over the land. This week on Bug House Square, I got, um, <coughs> I don't know what I got. I, uh, I picked a bunch of good records. I've got a certain feeling. Uh, it's not visceral, but it, uh, it's certain. And I'm going to bring that forth in the, the music that I'm about to play. And, um, uh, no themes, anything like that. Just hope you're all doing well. This is still, I'm still doing this from the home studio. <laughs> so I was thinking maybe, uh, I don't know, one of these weeks, one of these weeks, I'm going to venture in there. I'm going to get all geared up, man. I got, uh, I got a hazmat suit. Um, God, that's, it's so, there's so much touching in there. Um, but, I don't know. I, th I, I, I we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, I'm here. You're here. Um, I don't think we got any contributors. I I've been. Uh, I'm I'm kind of letting that 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 rest. Um, but we'll see. I'll dig in there and get some maybe maybe some uh, some uh, previous contributors. How's that? All right. All right. Was that a vigilante man? Vigilante man 
Why does a vigilante man carry that sword or shotgun in his hand? Would he shoot his brother and sister down? I rambled around from town to town. I rambled around from town to town. And they herded us around like a wild herd of cattle. Was that the vigilante men? Have you seen that vigilante man? Have you seen that vigilante man? I've heard his name all over the land.
succeed at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket, March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well. But it wasn't the fault of the place. They were nice. Asiento. Rio began her life in 1978 as a leather Brazilian gay bar. We are an LGBTQ plus space who is welcoming to all good people. We actively invest in communities to promote social change. We actively invest in our local arts and music scene to give space for artists. We actively pursue underserved communities in the use of our space. We are an awesome supporter of the fifth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival hosting an incredible offside show Wednesday, March 4th, 9 to 11 p.m. with LGBTQ plus and allied comics. So come out to 3158 Mission Street at Caesar Chavez, San Francisco. It's open every day at 2 p.m. with an incredible back patio. El Rio is your dive. here with a very special podcast we're just casino here with trippy music you know what time it is time for the mutiny radio comedy festival 2020 special edition special special edition here of there are some who call me tim I didn't time it right. There it is. There are some who call me Tim. It's a show where we talk about what people believe in and what This is my neighborhood. 
Welcome to the Weekly Review with Roman. Getting a little bit of a late start here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I'm broadcasting live from Mutiny Radio, which is in San Francisco, and that is on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Rimitush Ohlone people. And for more information, please go to weeklyrev.org and click on the Land Acknowledgement tab. We've got a lot of links there, as well as maps, uh, mutual aid funds, uh, the, a link to the Segorite Land Trust, as well as a thread of native news outlets, and a lot more information. So again, please go to weeklyrev.org and then click on the Land Acknowledgements tab. So talking very quickly, because uh, partially had some coffee, partially uh, got here late, uh, mostly my own doing, didn't leave early enough, and then also had bike trouble, and those two things don't make it. Uh, and by bike trouble, it was really, I got a bungee cord stuck in. It's not like uh, it was anything too serious. Anyway, glad to be here. Missed being here last week, though. Happy to put out another episode. And for more episodes, please go to weeklyrev.org. We are compiling a list of all the episodes, which is a lot. So it's going to take a while to get there. However, I've been on the air for quite a number of years, and I've spoken with so many really um, incredible people, and I've learned so much. And this week is no different. I'll be playing an interview in a few minutes. So I uh, recorded it uh, in advance. So, ah, I'm going to be playing that soon. I guess I have time for a little bit of a rant. Uh, just, you know, frustrated with people in positions of power who think they have control over other people's bodies. Uh, talking about folks in Arkansas who are looking to further criminalize or make it difficult to for folks to access abortion and reproductive rights. Um, and in many states, they are putting forward some like anti-trans bills, like against trans youth, like trying to make it so youth can't play sports, um, which is just like, it's like fucking stupid and horrific. And I have a lot of strong words for these politicians with their like anti-reproductive rights and anti-trans bills and just further causing harm for people. And it's just, it's stupid, it's cruel, it's inhumane, it's awful. I have a lot more words. And it's, it's so, it's fucking disgusting. Uh, the idea that someone thinks they have control over what someone else does with their body is just fucking horrendous. So uh, I think I had maybe had a few more thoughts as well, but it really verges on um, letting off, blowing off some steam. And I know I'm not alone in this, but it's just, it's so sick and disgusting. And people are like, oh, well, we're in the, you know, we're in the 21st century. And, you know, it, at any time, this was never okay. Never okay. So try to put out some positive energy there. And, you know, I keep on saying in an ideal, in an ideal world, these folks who are causing harm would wake up and realize that they're causing harm and they wouldn't do it anymore. And they apologize, make amends if possible, and just stop. Like, that's the best case scenario. And then a more realistic realistic scenario is that some of these folks just have to stop what they're doing. Like, there can be no way that we can continue on living uh, in a world where folks in positions of power decide to pass draconian laws that harm youth, harm adults, harm people, and people's healthcare decisions. There, I mean, it's I, the fact that I'm even wasting time talking about it. Like, in an ideal world, things would be certainly a lot different, but I would just come here, maybe I'd play music all the time. I wouldn't have to uh, call out politicians who are just being shitty. Speaking of shitty politicians, uh, oh, you know, calm down a little bit. Uh, one of the extremely right-wing uh, folks in Congress, I try not to, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to give people more power than they have, but it's also just important to name them so we know who, you know, one of the many forces that we're up against. And it, not to say that this is anything new, but uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. So <sighs> thankfully, uh, the 
she was, was she was stripped of her House committee assignments. Um, however, a lot of Republicans, like I think 199, like still voted for her to keep them, you know, and it's just like, wow, and this is someone who's Islamophobic, anti-Semitic, has threatened the lives of numerous people. It's like, wow, just fucking disgusting. So, wow. And it's already past 1230. Okay. Well, I'm going to uh, cut myself off there. And I'm going <laughs> to play this interview, which is much more uplifting. And it's about folks who are actually um, doing good things and looking out for each other. Yeah. Um, so I feel, yeah, very positive about this. And I didn't mean to come in with a, I don't want to say a negative attitude, because I think it's pretty righteous to be angry that there are folks in positions of power who are actively causing harm. Um, just wanting to voice that and give it space and also recognize that whoever is listening out there, I'm sure that many folks feel similarly. So it's good to speak truth to power. Okay. So I'm going to play an interview that I did earlier this week. Uh, I feel really grateful to have been able to uh, talk to Adriana. So this is um, Adriana Camarena, and we spoke earlier this week about CART SF. And I will play the interview now. And uh, we'll post a link on our website, weeklyrev.org, that has whew, my glasses are fogging up. That has a uh, link to CardSF and also ways that folks can get involved. You can read their whole summary. Just there's a lot of good information there. So I am going to uh, play this now, and then there'll be a short little video afterwards, just with some further explanation of one of the things that we're talking about. So uh, here we go. And thanks for joining us. If you'd please uh, like to introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Um, and thanks for having me on. Um, my name is Adriana Camarena. Uh, I am with, I work with the family of Luis Gongora Pat um, with our organization, Justice and Honor for Luis Gongora Pat. Uh, Luis was homeless at the time that he was murdered by two San Francisco police officers on April 7th, 2016. And um, a, a few months back, uh, I think it was almost a year back, we started conversations about this, but uh, we joined up with a broad coalition of organizations who responded to a call from the police. It, it actually came from, from the police commission to establish an alternative response to homelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is how I joined up with this group that has now recently put out a report, a uh, community plan for a compassionate alternative response team to end policing of homeless populations. Yes, yeah, I was looking at the website, which folks can find at cartsf.org, and there's a, there's, a, there's, a lot, there's a lot there, and it's also definitely long overdue and really grateful for all the folks who have put it together. So I thought we could just maybe start talking about the, the summary I, it looked like that folks were going around actually talking with folks who are unhoused about what's needed for them, um, which of course is the best way to go about things. So I thought maybe we could start there and talk about how the the plan came into being. Sure, and um, yeah, and, and just as a broad overview, so we see where the community survey comes in. Mm -hmm. um, there's, uh, we did a community survey with unhoused um, neighbors to understand what they would like to see in a compassionate alternative response and the team that they would like to see happening. And we also did a lot of background research into what other programs exist mm. and did our own research also with the city uh, separate to that um, 
with the Department of Emergency Manages, Management in particular to understand how calls come in and how they could be diverted to a new response. So that's kind of like the broad strokes of the, of the project. But the survey specifically, um, it is really interesting because we learned um, that one of the primary, of course, our unhoused populations have suffered a lot of police abuse, especially uh, related even to the contact that happens between the DPW uh, responding to encampments accompanied by police. And, um, and they would obviously benefit and want an alternative response to policing. Um, so one of the first things that they would love to see is, you know, more resources so that they yes. can get out of a condition of home homelessness. Right, right. Right. Um, but the other thing that very strongly came up is that they would also uh, informed us about who they would want to have on the team responding. And they do would ask that people who have. Sorry about that, we've got a bit of a technical issue here. The other thing that very strongly came up is that they would also uh, informed us about who they would want to have on the team responding. And they do would ask that people who have. Uh, my apologies, we've got a bit of a technical issue here. Um, please do stay tuned, I'm trying to get this all worked out here. I'm having some issues here. I'm put on a little bit of music and hopefully we'll be back really soon. Uh, thanks for your patience. for joining us. Effie, please uh, like to introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Um, who responded to a call from the police. It actually came from, from the police commission to establish an alternative response to homelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is how I joined up with this group that has now recently put out a report, a community plan for a 
compassion and alternative response team to end policing of homeless populations. Yes, yeah, I was looking at the website, which folks can find at cartsf.org, and there's a there's a there's a lot there's a lot there, and it's also definitely long overdue, and really grateful for all the folks who have put it together. So I thought we could just maybe start talking about the the summary. I, it looked like that folks were going around actually talking with folks who are unhoused about what's needed for them, um, which of course is the best way to go about things. So I thought maybe we could start there and talk about how the the plan came into being. Sure, and um, yeah, and, and just as a broad overview, so we see where the community survey comes in. Mm -hmm. um, there's, uh, we did a community survey with unhoused um, neighbors to understand what they would like to see in a compassionate alternative response and the team that they would like to see happening. And we also did a lot of background research into what other programs exist mm. and did our own research also with the city uh, separate to that, um, with the Department of Emergency Manages Management in particular to understand how calls come in, how they could be diverted to a new response. So that's kind of like the broad strokes of the, of the project. But the survey specifically, um, it is really interesting because we learned um, that one of the primary, of course, our unhoused populations have suffered a lot of police abuse, especially uh, related even to the contact that happens between the DPW uh, responding to encampments accompanied by police. And, um, and they would obviously benefit and want an alternative response to policing. Um, so one of the first things that they would love to see is, you know, more resources so that they yes. can get out of a condition of home homelessness. Right, right. Right. Um, but the other thing that very strongly came up is that they would also uh, informed us about who they would want to have on the team responding. And they do would ask that. Thanks for joining us. If you'd please uh, like to. I am so sorry. Updated here. Let me try again to get this going. Thanks for joining us. If you'd please uh, like to.
Thanks for joining us. If you'd please. Thanks for joining us. If you'd please. Uh, thanks for joining us. If you'd please.
Thanks for joining us. If you please uh, like a survey. understand how calls come in and how response. So Thanks for joining us. My apologies. Having a bit of a big technical issue here. We've got the recorded interview. However, all of the um, different applications I try to play it on, it ends up stopping uh, during the middle. So I'm working on it right now. It's just me here. So please, thanks so much for tuning in. And also, we'll get it up, so uh, we'll be letting you know as soon as that, that's up. So thanks again for being patient, and uh, get it up as soon as we can. Thanks again.
All right. Good news, everyone, for folks who are uh, still listening. Thanks so much. And thank you for being patient. Um, it seems that oftentimes we have technical difficulties on the days. I'm really excited about the shows that we have and have really important messages to get out there. So thankfully, um, able to export it into GarageBand. Yeah, not really a tech person here. However, able to make things work. So I'm going to start playing from the beginning. And again, big thanks to the, all the folks at CART and for uh, Adriana. And we will be playing it now. of the community plan that I've talked about. You can joining us. If you'd please uh, like to introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Um, and thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Adriana Camarena. Uh, I am with, I work with the family of Luis Gongora Pat um, with our organization, Justice and Honor for Luis Gongora Pat. Uh, Luis was homeless at the time that he was murdered by two San Francisco police officers on April 7th, 2016. And um, a, a few months back, uh, I think it was almost a year back, we started conversations about this, but uh, we joined up with a broad coalition of organizations who responded to a call from the police. It actually came from from the police commission to establish an alternative response to homelessness. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is how I joined up with this group that has now recently put out a report, a community plan for a compassionate alternative response team to end policing of homeless populations. Yes, yeah, I was looking at the website, which folks can find at cartsf.org. And there's a, there's, a, there's, a lot, there's a lot there, and it's also definitely long overdue and really grateful for all the folks who have put it together. So I thought we could just maybe start talking about the the summary. I, it looked like that folks were going around actually talking with folks who are unhoused about what's needed for them, um, which of course is the best way to go about things. So I thought maybe we could start there and talk about how the the plan came into being. Sure. And um, yeah, and, I, and just as a broad overview, so we see where the community survey comes in. Mm -hmm. um, there's, uh, we did a community survey with unhoused um, neighbors to understand what they would like to see in a compassionate alternative response and the team that they would like to see happening. And we also did a lot of background research into what other programs exist mm -hmm. and did our own research also with the city uh, separate to that, um, with the Department of Emergency Manages, Management in particular to understand how calls come in, how they could be diverted to a new response. So that's kind of like the broad strokes of the, of the project. But the survey specifically, um, it is really interesting because we learned um, that one of the primary, of course, our unhoused populations have suffered a lot of police abuse, especially uh, related even to the contact that happens between the DPW uh, responding to encampments accompanied by police. And um, and they would obviously benefit and want an alternative response to policing. Um, so one of the first things that they would love to see is, you know, more resources so that they yes. can get out of a condition of home homelessness. Right, right. Right? 
Um, but the other thing that very strongly came up is that they would also uh, informed us about who they would want to have on the team responding. And they do would ask that people who have actually experienced conditions of homelessness mm -hmm. be part of these teams. Yes. Mm -hmm. So those are uh, some of the things that, that we learned from the survey. Um, and they also helped shape the some of our core values around um, making sure that there was there was a compassionate uh, response that we um, made sure to en engage towards providing resources in those contacts um, and that it should be you know a free of charge confidential voluntary non-threatening non-punitive and life affirming process for people uh, who are engaged um, and part of the question around having people who, and I'll go a little bit into the um, the specific services that we would like to see, but mm -hmm. they were also very interested in making sure that part of the process is around educating people who are actually calling the police. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So that's around the community survey, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, and making sure that they get the assistance that they need rather than enter another process of criminalization. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's certainly frustrating. I'd like run out of the, the words to use, but just how frustrating it is to see people uh, want to further criminalize folks who are unhoused. It's just so, it's disgusting is what it is. It is, and you know, it kind of, um, it's a little bit of a segue into the research we did on dispatch. Mm -hmm. um, because, we, we knew that what we needed to do is um, engage uh, from the point of, of public answering of 911 calls. We needed to catch calls that would be a good for the programming for a new alternative response. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how much um, listeners may know about dispatch, but we learned a lot. <laughs> yes. And, um, and general calls are are separated out into what they call A, B, and C priorities. And mm -hmm. what it really means is like it's a, a grade of how urgent the response needs to be. Uh, the target time for an A priority response time has to be seven minutes. You know, for mm -hmm. a B priority has to be 20 minutes. And for a C priority is an hour. You know, so there's more flexibility. So based on also other programs that exist, we knew that um, we were actually looking initially at the C priority calls. And then we started looking at the data with the Department of Emergency Management, and 45% of the calls, C priority calls, come in on a range of issues that um, what they call 917 calls, which are a suspicious person, a 916 uh, suspicious vehicle, mm -hmm. 601s, which are trespassing. And you also have others, uh, the 919s, which are the SIP law ordinance. These are your, uh, uh, the, your, the bulk of your C priority calls, right? The 45% of these calls. Uh, and so when they did a sampling of like the 601s and 917 calls, they realized that they, they are actually the mud, like 50% to the two thirds of those calls are homelessness related. So when you talk about the 601 call trespassing, what it may actually mean, a C-priority call, is someone sleeping in a doorway. 
or or when you uh, have a, a call about a 917 suspicious person, it might just be a homeless person on the street. Yes. And so though that became really interesting to us because right now um, the city, I should say, has initiated a program also called the Street Crisis um, uh, Response Team or Intervention Team. Uh, it's called S uh, Street. Okay. And, and what it does, it operates out of the... Um, um, it operates out of the um, fire department, but mm -hmm. it only responds to 800 calls, which are the mental health calls. Mm. So what we're suggesting that this new program do is that we should have our own hotline also, but also get 911 calls diverted both from the overflow from yes. the street calls, but also this other number of calls that I've been mentioning, which we could really provide an alternative response rather than the police showing up in situations where they can't actually do anything. Right. Anything, and anything often, good. <laughs> and oftentimes make it worse. And oftentimes escalate, wrongly escalate, yes. Um, yes. uh, damage people's lives because they criminalize them further. They don't give them the support they need. They traumatize them. And as you know, and I've even heard officers say that they shouldn't be the ones responding to to homelessness-related incidents. So, there, I, I, I believe that there's a lot of space around these calls to create an alternative response. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I don't know. You, you tell me, Roman, uh, how you want to do this, but I can oh. go on and on. You know. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm happy to listen. There's so much to learn. So wherever you feel like you'd like to go next, we could talk about how you became involved with CART um, as a start. Sure. Well, as a, as I was introducing myself at the beginning, I have worked with the family of Luis Longora Pat since he was killed in 2016, and Luis um, was a Mayan indigenous um, worker. Mm. who had fallen in, into a condition of homelessness after he was evicted from his house and the circumstances are un, kind of un, unknown about mm. how that happened. Um, but from all that we know is that Luis was just sitting on the ground when um, police got involved because they said they somebody saw a knife on him. And it actually, it's a more complicated story, but to just to give the context of how I got um, involved, but they arrived and he was just sitting on the ground and within 28 seconds, they fired beanbag weapons and, and firearm bullets and they killed him. Mm -hmm. So I got involved because we've been um, speaking with his family, with his brother Jose, his cousin Luis, um, for a very long time to create change. Mm -hmm. And so it was a natural fit for us to want to participate in the development of alternatives to policing around homelessness. And we joined up with the... Uh, Coalition on Homelessness, but there are also a broad variety of uh, partners, and you can find them all on our page. Yes, yes. Uh, Glide and the um, Community Housing Partnership, there's a uh, Lawyers uh, Com Committee for Civil Rights, uh, Code Tenderloin, and many other organizations um, uh, that have participated in the development of this community plan. Mm -hmm. um, and right now, I should probably pitch that if anybody's interested, they should. Uh, look at the our, at the cartsf.org website and find the email that you can write and say, I want to be part of the launching of this campaign um, to have uh, to to have an alternate response to policing. 
but that's how I got involved. And then it was it was the process was very very engaging and engaged multiple people, multiple organizations. It was yes. it was an amazing process where you're like you collaborated and get things done. It was amazing. But um, I ended up on the dispatch uh, subcommittee, but there were mm -hmm. uh, subcommittees for precisely the research uh, part that I can tell you a little bit more about researching other programs that sure. were the people who did the community survey. And there's a communications team that set up the website and did and is actually leading uh, leading us in the in our campaign right now to get city support to make CART happen. Mm -hmm. um, so just a few more details around the research piece uh, that's really interesting is that we learned that from looking at other programs that there are two kind of elements and it matches up with what our unhoused population was saying in their survey. Mm -hmm. which is that the service that CART should provide, similar to, and the primary model, if people haven't heard about it, is CAHOOTS, which has been operating in Portland for like thir for 30 years. Oh. Uh, and there are uh, some other new efforts in Denver and, and here and there that um, also informed our project. Uh, but they do two things, and one is to provide a response to persons in crisis, mm -hmm. uh, and also provide community strengthening services. So the persons in crisis response is that the team that goes out there actually has first aid and non-emergency medical service training. They, they provide uh, substance addiction referrals and re resources. Uh, they uh, transportation uh, to hospitals and service providers as needed. They are skilled in de-escalation intervention and interpersonal conflict resolution and can provide street counseling and mental health uh, referrals. They also ha are trained in suicide prevention. Um, so, but being knowledgeable about the resources at hand and being able to refer people to those resources is a big part of, of the piece. And then the other part is um, community strengthening, which actually means having, uh, having a role in educating people who are calling the police mm -hmm. uh, on unhoused populations. And the idea is to create neighborhoods of compassionate responders. And, and the most important thing, as many people have already pointed out, having allowing them to have an option. Because if you don't have yes. an option, it all ends up going back to 911 and never, right. never leaves, no? Yeah. Um, and so as part of this, uh, you know, the, it's working with community, working with uh, unhoused populations, and also working with the city authorities who are getting these calls so that eventually we also identify uh, these group of calls of which we also plan to expand over time with mm -hmm. careful thought and, and analysis um, in terms of what we are learning continuously. Um, but it is an idea of like stop seeing them as policing calls, which you know police come from a, a mindset of criminalization, and mm -hmm. actually start seeing them um, as medical responses or health right. responses to a street situation. Already, the 800 number is mm -hmm. being assi assigned. Uh, sorry, 800 dispatch code is being assigned an alternative medical dispatch code called the 25, 25 Alpha Zero. So that right now, um, these calls that are being answered by uh, skirt, I, I think they call themselves skirt and not street, <laughs> skirt, um, that the city response team is actually getting both codes. And eventually the idea is that you only use a medical code. So we'll be, we're suggesting that we will be working with the Department of Emergency Management so that these Tea Party calls right now that are 
you know, 601 trespasser, 917, uh, uh, a suspicious person are more adequately coded um, mm -hmm. to reflect the situation of a person under a severe situation of human rights violation already <laughs> who needs support. Yeah. <laughs> no? Um, so that's a little bit more of what I can tell you about the research bit. And I guess um, a, a question that also comes up often is like, what, what does it cost? What will this cost? And so right now, based on other programs, um, we are considering that this will be a $6.8 million project. Mm -hmm. um, and the city for this uh, project already has on reserve um, a $2 million budget because it was discussed from the from the sorry and i said i think i said the police commission had issued a resolution it's the board of supervisors who had issued uh, a resolution calling for mm -hmm. an alternate response and so they are holding this fund and so now what we would like to see happen especially as we phase out police response and phase in part is that we would want that that alternate response be funded from police uh, yes uh, uh, budgets, no, like take that budget from the police and give it to this new program. <laughs> Definitely, and there's plenty of it. There's plenty of it, and this is just really, literally a drop in the bucket. But of yeah. course, we're not stopping there. What we are standing by is that we need less policing in general, and that mm -hmm. police budget should be cut significantly. Part yes. of it to to serve part, but also to serve other other valuable city programs. Right, right. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, so, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh no, please go ahead. Um, I, I, I guess in my, I started thinking in my mind about, um, I started thinking about, um, uh, anyway, sorry, <laughs> when I got distracted, <laughs> there's a, a hundred things I could tell you, but let me know what, what is interesting to you. I mean, all of it is interesting, which I know doesn't really narrow it down too much. Um, I guess we could we could talk about like the next steps then. Sure. So we have done a, a press conference, and actually, if people want a little bit more detailed information about these uh, all these areas of the community plan that I've talked about, you can find a link to our our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, mm -hmm. at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF. That's at CART at C-O-H-S-F.org. Um, and mention that you would like to join for the community plan that I've talked about. You can mm -hmm. find a link to our our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, mm -hmm. at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF. That's at CART at C-O-H-S-F.org. Um, and mention that you would like to join for the community plan that I've talked about. You can find a link to our, our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at 
Part, P-A-R-T, at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF. That's at part at cohsf.org. Um, and mention that you would like to drink with the community plan that I've talked about. You can find a link to our, our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF. That's at CART at cohsf.org. Um, and mention that you would like to drink with the community plan that I've talked about. You can find a link to our, our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF. That's at CART at cohsf.org um, and mention that you would like to drink with the community plan that I've talked about. You can find a link to our, our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, at at the Coalition of Homeless SF, that's at CART at cohsf.org, um, and mention that you would like to drink with the community plan that I've talked about. You can find a link to our, our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF. That's at CART at cohsf.org. Um, and mention that you would like to drink with the community plan that I've talked about. You can find a link to our, our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF. That's at CART at cohsf.org. Um, and mention that you would like to drink with the community plan that I've talked about. You can find a link to our, our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF. That's at CART at cohsf.org. Um, and mention that you would like to drink with the community plan that I've talked about. You can find a link to our, our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF. That's at CART at cohsf.org. Um, and mention that you would like to drink with the community plan that I've talked about. 
you can find a link to our our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF. That's at CART at C-O-H-S-F.org. Um, and mention that you would like to join for the community plan that I've talked about. You can find a link to our, our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF. That's at CART at C-O-H-S-F.org. Um, and mention that you would like to join for the community plan that I've talked about. You can find a link to our, our press conference on the CART website. Um, but we are asking that if people are interested uh, in joining the CART effort, that they write, they contact us at CART, C-A-R-T, at, at the Coalition of Homeless SF. That's at CART at cohsf.org um, and mention that you would like to join for the community plan that I've talked about. Please uh, talk to your supervisors and tell them how much you support this project. I know there's a, a cart mention that you would like to join for the community. We need to, last year, as you all remember, there was a big call to defund SFPD. But part yes. of the problem was that there wasn't um, a project that was tangible, tangible enough for people mm. to say, this. when you defund the SFPD and these areas of work that you would like to see um, attended by another group of people, skilled people, we it, it happened so fast that there wasn't this alternative. So now we have an alternative and mm -hmm. we need to work within the budget cycles. So we are asking people to join this effort now. Yes. And then as individuals, um, please uh, talk to your supervisors and tell them how much you support this project. I know there's a police commission meeting tonight, like just hit them up and let them know that mm -hmm. uh, there's a support to defund the SFPD and, and support projects uh, just like CART. <laughs> yes, yes. So I have a question. What would be? What do you think are the biggest obstacles or things that folks can really focus their energy on to help get CART moving? You know, I would say that it is precisely the 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 budget cycle. Nothing happens without this budget being assigned to CART. Mm -hmm. um, but once that happens, I think there will even be a call out to to staff it appropriately and 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 track it appropriately, we will. We are suggesting in our report that we will also be um, creating a, a working group, ongoing working group with the Department of Emergency Management and the existing uh, skirt projects. Uh, and we'll be tracking this information and making it public. So um, I think the more we can inform people, yes. uh, but at this very moment, the more you can engage in the with your supervisors and, and um, the police commission, around the need to uh, divert funding away from the police to alternative responses to policing, such as CARP, that's mm -hmm. the main issue right now. Okay, mm -hmm. all right. 
me making a note of that. <laughs> making a note. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I think it's. I mean, it's also just so helpful because I do believe that there are a lot of folks who would like to help but are just maybe unsure of how to do so. So having concrete examples of ways to go about doing that is is very helpful. Right. And again, if you belong to an organization that would like to support this uh, project, we are we are gathering up right now um, mm -hmm. to make this a very successful um, first effort. And there are other efforts that are going to come along. Um, the the mayor has a working table that's also looking at other alternatives. So this is our community plan. This is what we would like to see happening, but it is aligned and it's with other projects um, oriented to uh, developing many and several alternatives to policing that support our black and brown and indigenous communities. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are there other pieces of this you'd like to share or other um, topics? No, that's my main thing. I guess I could um, mention that there are other, uh, this is what I was going to say, there are other suggestions that we have in our report. Um, okay, yeah. Towards, uh, you know, we are asking the police police commission, um, you know, fire officers when they breach time and distance policies that escalate situations. And mm -hmm. we have other, um, uh, we would like to see the current response that the city has to the HSOC center to homelessness, we would we are suggesting that they eliminate um, HSOC because it all all it has created is a, is a police response alongside DPW to to encampments that has aggravated situations while diminishing the work of the outreach teams that do have for homelessness that could actually be very beneficial if they just dedicated to them themselves to what. They originally were supposed to do, which is to provide resources and refer referrals. No, so we are um, making suggestions along the way about how how the city can improve its own program. You know, its own uh, programming. Mm -hmm. May I ask a clarifying question? I heard uh, HSOC. Is that um, what is that exactly? So, and that goes back to a little bit to to. Dispatch, no? Okay. But so the city um, created a, a home, I think it's called the Homeless Center Operating Center. Um, okay. And uh, sorry, Homeless Services Operating Center. And what it ha happened is that before its creation, and you know, I don't know exactly the backstory, but it, it is related to the creation, to the, to the passing of the a sit light ordinance, mm -hmm. um, which made it, uh, you know, an infraction to sit or lie on the street, mm -hmm. and so um, the the there became became a there started to be a flood of calls towards nine hundred one around these nine nineteen codes, which are the sit light ordinance, but also just the tag that was this nine fifteen homeless people, you know, that kind of homeless people nine fifteen. <sighs> So with the HSOC Center, what happened is that they create they, they started diverting those calls towards um, the HSOC Center directly to the 311 Center. Mm -hmm. And then HSOC was supposed to provide the appropriate resources to respond to homelessness in the city. 
but what it has become is mostly uh, a reaction to send out uh, clearing crews from DPW and often, a no, almost always accompanied by police. And so that has actually aggravated the conditions for people who are living on the street rather than create any improvement. And mm -hmm. it's just a shuffling of people from one street over to the next without providing real solutions. So uh, that's why we're also suggesting that uh, the HSOC be eliminated. Um, yeah, and this is all related to how the 311 has been used. It's um, that we're also suggesting that from now on, all these 915, 919 calls just come to cart. Like, mm -hmm. so we'll deal with it. Yes. <laughs> and if DPW yes. has to be called, call DPW, but do not with the presence of police, never with the presence of right. police. Right. Yes. Yeah. So it is. It'll take a. It'll take a village. It'll take the village of yes. San Francisco to to a, to work on this. And this is why one of the most important aspects of the project is to have um, built community strengthening mm -hmm. computer resilience around this, so that we understand what are more appropriate responses to homelessness. And it is certainly not criminalization of somebody who's suffering from severe human rights violations for lack yes. of housing and other. Ba basic necessities, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. What? Uh, let me know if something else uh, caught your attention uh, around uh, around what I've mentioned. Um, but yeah, just uh, sometimes it's important to clarify we are talking right now about only a response to to situations in the streets. Mm -hmm. um, although there are some circumstances we could see responding to in 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 shelters. Um, mm -hmm. And while though we're only talking about C priority um, calls for the initial rollout, we are suggesting that we should sit down and look carefully at the concept and some of these brief priority calls, which which may turn out to be situations where bringing in a skilled de-escalator um, yes. that, that is not from the police department um, could benefit the community. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. So that's something that I think we have gotten questions on before. Yeah. You you mentioned a few other organizations, like there's one in Portland. You mentioned uh, Cahoots, and I was curious about other, either other organizations that you're aware of, um, in addition to the ones you mentioned, and or if there have been anything similar that had been done in the Bay Area in the past that um, we could either learn from or connect with. You know, the definitely the more uh, the most important um, example is Cahoots. Mm -hmm. And we did have long conversations with them to understand what they had, would have, even what they would have changed starting. Okay. Um, unfortunately, it looks like it uh, ended a bit here. Um, not sure. Funding away from the police to alternative responses. Why? Um, I'm just going to put in the next sample here. And again, many apologies for. Uh, things not working out so well here uh, on the tech end of things. Um, and
HSOC, HSOC stands for the Healthy Streets Operations Center and initiate operations um, and the public was oriented to use 311 on emergency to reach HSOC uh, after January, 2018. Okay, yeah. thanks. Sorry. All right, so uh, lots of information there. And for more information, uh, please do check out the uh, CART website and we'll provide a link on our website at weeklyrev.org with all of that information. So again, really big thank you to Adriana Camarena and all the folks at CART, and thank you so much for listening. And we'll also provide a link for this uh, interview with the time it began so folks can uh, listen in in, the enti in its entirety. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to play a little bit of music here and then uh, finish up our time here. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Now might be also a good time to, to mention. Oftentimes on podcasts, folks mention their engineers and their producers, et cetera. And this is a very much a DIY situation. I volunteer my time to be here. We do have a Patreon up to help cover the cost of keeping the website up and the dues. And if folks are able to contribute at all, it would be super helpful. Um, that would be really, really helpful. So if you go to weeklyrev.org and check, uh, click on our Patreon page, uh, anywhere from a dollar a month and up would be would help out quite a bit and hopefully it would uh, eradicate some of the issues that we come across here with uh, the tech issues. So thanks again so much for tuning in. We're going to play some music, and then there's a couple of news stories I did want to get to before we wrap up here. I did get a lot of things prepared for the show today that unfortunately didn't quite go as uh, planned, and that's you know the way things are sometimes. So happy to be able to still share what we got. So I'm going to play a little bit more music here, and also if you're interested in the music and the songs that we played, I will be sharing a playlist, uh, a link to the playlist on our site as well. Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a bit. Keep it sliding along the neon light. Morning when I wake, I really got to take a 
Chance and grab it, don't you? Give me chance, I have it, have it for me. Heed my warning over now, you're hooked by morning. Give me a chance to stop and wonder why. Don't say it. Can't wait. Exploitation's waste time to try. All right, that was the Pointer Sisters with the Salt Peanuts. Where would we be without music? I've got a couple more news stories here, and I'll also be sharing the links on weeklyrap.org. First up is from the Howard University YDSA. Uh, they say, uh, we are planning a tuition strike at Howard for the fall semester. Please spread the word and join us. And they quote uh, Columbia YDSA tuition strike, and they had shared uh, last fall University of Manchester rent strike won a 30% rent cut. Today, 53 uh, British universities are on rent strike. The hashtag CU tuition strike has already won increased financial aid and fossil fuel divestment. Next fall, there should be a nationwide tuition strike. And they provide a link um, that says uh, how to get started. 
and it's a Google Doc that says how to strike, and I will, again, share this link on weeklyrev.org. Um, lots of good information there. So for folks who are currently students and or no students, and I would think that's most people, um, this will be a great resource. So again, we'll share that on our weekly review webpage. Also, wanting to share um, tomorrow. Well, it's today and tomorrow, uh, UCLA Law Review. Join us for their 2021 annual symposium, Structural Inequality and the Law. And um, they have a lot of different speakers. And it's today. Um, it's ending now-ish, um, but it's happening again tomorrow. Uh, more speakers tomorrow, 10.15 a.m. to 2.15 p.m. Pacific time. And I'll share a link on our website as well with more information. And the event is free, open to the public, and ASL interpretation will be provided. So wanting to share that with our listeners as well. Uh, lots of great things happening. There's also an article. Um, oh, yes. Ah, okay. So this is a, a news article I'm going to share the audio from, and this is from um, Arizona Public Media. President Donald Trump's wall now spans just over 450 miles of the international boundary with Mexico, including nearly 230 miles in Arizona. Yesterday, we heard about what that wall has meant for the borderlands environment. In today's story, we look at what it's meant for communities who call the border home. The Tejana Otham Nation spans some 60 miles of Arizona borderlands. And while the new border wall doesn't appear in that boundary, it hasn't spared ancestral Otham land that spreads across central and southern Arizona and into northern Mexico. Back in 1853, the Gadsden Purchase gave the U.S. rights to the land that used to be Mexico and sliced that homeland in half. Former Tejana Otham Vice Chairman Berlin Jose says the Trump administration's new bullard wall has now carved another line through it. When people ask me, what does this feel like to you? And I explained that it feels like if someone got a knife and dragged it across my heart. Over the last year, tribal members have watched new wall segments cut through sacred sites and traditional homesteads. Construction crews have used dynamite on burial grounds and cut down century-old saguaro cactuses. President Biden's executive order temporarily halted all construction and reversed an emergency declaration by Trump across the southern border. But Jose says so much has already been lost. Now tell me if that is repairable and go back to its original state, which God, the creator, intended for it to be. I think the answer is no. It's going to be a scar that's going to be there forever. Border communities have spent years fighting wall construction through court filings, online campaigns, and on-the-ground protests. But wall construction has marched on. It feels like they're pushing us away. Ami Robles, a Mexican artist who lives in Agua Prieta, just across the line from Douglas, can see a blank cement wall from her front window, part of an older border barrier. New wall construction has been appearing everywhere around her small town. I don't, I don't want to say that I feel resentment, but I kind of like feel it that way like they're closing themselves like uh we don't really need our prieta you know and advocates argue the wall represents not just an erosion of community ties but a breakdown of shared resources alejandro olivera with the center for biological diversity's mexico office says contractors are using resources shared by both countries they're, they're pumping the water that uh, should be considered and discussed with the mexican government 
before they do the Trump administration has waived dozens of environmental and cultural protection laws to build his wall. And some now worry the damage is irreversible. That's the question in Quito Paquito Springs, an ancient water source along the border in Organ Pipe Cactus National Monument that used to be home to the Hiachet Otham. The tribe is not federally recognized, so their sites don't have the same protection. You know, these lands, which are so-called national monuments, are actually unceded territories in which um, indigenous people have been pushed off and intentionally erased. Nellie Jo David is a Sahana Otham tribal member with family that is Yachet Otham. She was one of two Otham women who were arrested by National Park Service officers last fall at Quito Paquito for climbing into machinery and forcing work to a halt. It was part of a series of demonstrations to save Quito Paquito. More indigenous protesters were tear gassed, shot with rubber bullets, and arrested, all while the wall inched closer. In December, a Customs and Border Protection spokesperson confirmed the wall was complete in organ pipe. The damage has already been done, and I understand that there's a big push to stop, which is, you know, good. But what we really need is the removal and a restoration. But there's still no telling when or if that removal will occur. In January, the Arizona Democratic Party passed a resolution calling for a series of borderland reforms. They included removing certain sections of the wall and compensating indigenous groups whose sites have been destroyed. Still, Biden has never publicly supported tearing sections down. But David says she's not putting too much stock in what happens in Washington. Instead, she finds hope in what her own community has already done, in their commitment going forward. I'm Elisa Resnick, Arizona Public Media. I will be sharing a link to this article on our website as well, and one more quick piece of information, and that is from the United Front Against Displacement. You can follow them on Twitter at at T-H-E-U-F-A-D. In Oakland, join us on February 9th at 8 a.m. at 2311 Embarcadero, Oakland, California. On February 9th to 11th, the city of Oakland will be attempting to evict a community of homeless people. This is a call to mobilize an eviction defense to support the community. And they have a flyer here that we'll share on our website as well. And uh, Union Point Eviction Defense, February 9th, 2021, 8 a.m. Union Point Park, 2311 Embarcadero on the north end in Oakland. The city is scheduled to begin the so-called closure at any time between February 9th and February 11th, 2021. Come out to support Union Point residents. To read the cease and desist order that triggered this eviction, you can visit https colon forward slash forward slash tinyurl.com forward slash union point. You can call or text 510-815-9978 or email we won't go at riseup.net for more information. And again, we'll post this on our weekly review webpage. So thanks again so much for tuning in. Uh, definitely a bit of a rocky episode getting everything here together, but glad we're able to uh, spread the word of a lot of folks out there looking to create a more just world for everybody. Uh, that's about it for me. Uh, I'll be back next week and play. I'll play one more song here before we head out. And this is a song by Santana, Touchdown Raiders. And uh, have a great weekend, everyone.